0: Hi, this is Craig Tim and you're listening to the Craig Tim show. Each time when we get together, I'm sharing God's message on living the Christian life. I want to welcome each one of you listening that has tuned in. You're here not by accident. You're here because God has something to tell you. It'll be words of encouragement. It may be words of challenging. But whatever it is, It is for your benefit, and for you especially. I want to start off asking you a few questions. Have you ever been mistreated, disrespected? Oh, I hate to use this, unfortunately, have you been abused? Have you been locked up, violated? Have you been rejected, abandoned, attacked, or even disregarded in your life? <clears throat> Excuse me these are all actions that unfortunately describe the realities countless individuals have experienced by the mistreatment of others and over time after you have these hurts and these pains from all these types of life all their offenses you might begin to believe that the incident is now a part of your identity although negative things happen to good people like you it's not an accurate representation of who you might become in life. See, enduring constant abuse and disrespects and rejections cause many people to view themselves in an unfavorable light just based on what has happened to them. And that leads me to the title of today's message is Who Are You? An Identity Crisis Excuse me here. In scripture, Joseph experienced obstacles very similar to what many other people have in life. Joseph was shown much favor by God and, and also, of course, from his earthly father Jacob. However, his brothers, well, that's a different story, I'm afraid, they mistreated him. Joseph suffered abuse and neglect and rejection by the very ones who were supposed to show him love and protect him. Joseph was disregarded and dismayed when he decided to share his dreams and later he was abandoned and he literally was sold out by his siblings because of jealousy and pride. Joseph was all but forgotten by the ones he helped and he was also betrayed by his own boss's wife. Even in the crisis of life, he continually experienced Joseph's identity remained in God. God had long ago declared a blessing over him, even before his birth, all the way back through his great-grandfather Abraham. God declared the identity of Abraham's descendants, saying, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, I will make nations of you, and kings will come to you. Genesis 17.6 Some days you may also find yourself asking questions like Who am I? What's my purpose? Where's my value? These are important questions, yes, of course. Questions that may have different answers at different times in your own life. And if you're experiencing an identity crisis, some of what Joseph went through, You might be questioning your own sense of self or even your own identity today. There are numerous manifestations of identity crisis in American culture that have an impact on our society, all the way from lawmaking to homemaking. Identity crisis is something that all sinners struggle with. And we are all prone to sin. Yes, we are. But this, as you all know, is opposite of God's plan for us. God's word communicates very clearly that we are created in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he, he created them. And when we experience an identity crisis, We've lost sight of our Creator's design for us. A simple and basic ethical understanding and acknowledgement of His natural law can guide us if we accept the clear direction in His Word. Now, however, it's inevitable that sin's going to reveal itself and it will try to entice us to reject God's design and desire to be in our own life. If we take the bait the enemy tries to give us, It'll create chaos and conflict within ourselves. We'll be battling our own minds and we'll lose sight of who we are and who we belong to. At the core of this issue, it is just plain idolatry, covetousness, and our own stinking pride. A culmination of a desire to have something other than what we already have received or a desire to become someone different than what were we were created to be. What this is, is an issue of humanity from the fall of Adam and Eve. We saw this manifest itself when they both ate the tree. We see this again when Cain murdered Abel. And if you're brutally honest with yourself, you'll even find a glimpse of it in your own fleshly desires. Only one can redeem you and restore Your true identity. There is only one. There is a well-known Bible story most most of you are familiar with, and it brings the issue of identity crisis right up to the forefront. The story is of Jacob and Esau, and it shows you how covetousness can lead to deception and ultimately lead to a serious identity crisis. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob sets out to try and deceive his father Isaac. He wanted that blessing that Isaac had intended for Jacob's older brother so bad, he eventually went to great lengths to get it. Now his opportunity finally came one day when Isaac told Esau to go out and hunt, bring back his catch, and prepare, prepare a meal for him. And at that time, Isaac would give him the blessing he had been promising Esau the firstborn. Now, after Esau left, Jacob's mother, who, by the way, wanted Jacob to have this blessing anyway, much more than Esau, she prepared the meal for Isaac and helped Jacob disguise himself to look and smell just like Esau. And when Jacob went into Isaac's tent, he said, It is I, your son Esau, your firstborn. Genesis 27, 19 is the beginning of his identity crisis. Jacob pretended to be someone who he was not in order to get that coveted father's blessing that he wanted so bad. After Jacob's deception was complete, his next move was to flee. It was no longer safe for him because when Esau came home, he was surely going to inflict some serious harm on Jacob. And who knows, it may even lead to death. Now, over the next 20 years or so, Jacob had many trials as well as many blessings, both. God sustained him and blessed him abundantly. Jacob accumulated mass amounts of wealth. He established a family and was guided by God. Now, later on in this story, we see how Jacob comes to grip with this identity crisis he had buried away since he ran away from his father's home. In chapter 32, we find that Esau is very nearby at Jacob's home. When Jacob found out about this, it brought up all those buried issues, and he was afraid of what might happen if Esau found him. In verses 22 through 32, of the 32nd chapter of Genesis, we see Jacob battle through his fears at a brook named Jabok. This means emptying or pouring out. And during this time, Jacob is wrestling with God back and forth. He was relentless. And the man told Jacob to let him go. But Jacob refused and said, not until you bless me. And here is Jacob seeking another blessing that he probably didn't deserve again. God responded saying, What is your name? He said, It is Jacob, my lord. Then God blessed him and named him Israel. Friends, this is a powerful story. And if you're going to do just a little self-assessment today, you might be surprised by some of the things you identify with or pretend to be for the sake of seeking a blessing or a desire that has not been given to you from God. At least it hasn't been given to you in His timing. It just isn't given to you in your timing. As we continue our topic of finding out who you are today, let's look at this identity crisis in another viewpoint of the Lord. Here is a word, and I'm sorry, I don't have the author. Is I just have to tell you right up front, the author is unknown. I could not find the author of this word, but here we go. I'm going to share it anyway. Yesterday, you were my God. I saw you in the eyes of a stranger. I heard you in their ignitation, and I felt you in their sorrow. But I did nothing. Today, you are my God. I saw you growing in my garden. I heard you rustling through the trees. I felt your warmth on my face, and I smiled. Tomorrow, you'll still be my God. I will see you if I dare to look. I will hear you if I am still, and I will feel you working within my heart. For you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Help me. Be the salt to those who need to taste, and the light to those who are lost in their own darkness, and compel me to act today. Again, the author is unknown. I apologize for that, but it's just a great word here. See, so he's talking about salt to those who need to taste, and the light who are lost in the darkness. The value of salt, especially in the ancient world, it just It can't be underestimated here because the Roman soldiers received many of their wages in salt. The Greeks considered salt to be divine and the law required that all offerings presented by the Israelites contain salt. Leviticus 2.13 says, Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all of your offerings. And then when Jesus told the disciples that they were the salt of the earth in Matthew 5.13, they truly understood this metaphor from his past teachings as they were growing up in life, right? This mandate that he gave the Lord, that he gave his first disciples, is still so relevant and applicable today in our lives. So, what are the characteristics of salt that cause the Lord to use it in this context? Well, of course, there are many conflicting thoughts on that, right? There are as many theologians out there as are all of the color of salt shakers, I'm sure. See, They all have different theories about the meaning of the salt that was described in Matthew's passage. Some think the whiteness represents the purity of the justified believer. Others have said that the flavoring properties of salt imply that the Christians are to add divine flavor to the world. Of course, there is the other side who believe that Christians are to sting the world with rebuke and judgment the way salt stings, an open wound. If you've ever had salt accidentally get in a cut, you'll know exactly what they're talking about right there. But salt has another vital purpose, which I believe may be what the Lord meant when he said this phrase in Matthew 13. Salt stops decay, right? Right? And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. He meant that all of his disciples were to serve as preservatives, stopping the moral decay in our sin inflicted world. Those first disciples would have been familiar with this function of salt because once they had their catch of the day, they were fishermen. They knew what they needed. They needed to put salt on it. That way the fish could be safely stored and used when they were needing it. The spiritual health and strength of the Christian is to counteract this corruption that is in all the world. Christians, as salt, are to inhibit sin's power to destroy here. We have all been given a wonderful privilege to be the salt of the earth. But Jesus also gives us a warning. Let's look at the second half of Matthew 5.13. But if the salt loses its taste, how can it be made again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. This does not say or mean that Jesus is telling us we can lose our salvation. No, what he said is that we can lose our saltiness. Don't be confused. Not losing your salvation, but we can lose our saltiness. When salt is contaminated, it becomes actually corrosive and and even poisonous. And it's worth nothing. It It can't even be used as fertilizer. Its only use is throwing it on the road in the wintertime, right? That's about all it's good for anymore. When you have allowed disobedience and carelessness and indifference to rule your lives, you become contaminated, you become contaminated, and you've lost all your saltiness. Remember that. You have become contaminated, like contaminated salt, and you've lost all your saltiness. And when that happens, you need to confess your sin, let the Lord restore you to the purpose for which you are called upon. And when you continue reading Matthew 5, the very next verse, after 13 comes 14, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. As salt, you are going to counteract the power of sin. But as light, you are to illuminate and make visible. You are to be an ongoing witness to the reality of Christ's daily presence in your life. Now, it's important to know that it is not your light but it's the reflection of the light of the world that Jesus Christ Himself, that all the people will see Him through you. In Philippians two fifteen, Paul says that you shine like stars in the universe. And the Greek word that was used here is very similar to the word we know as the beacon, a beacon that it's in a lighthouse. You know, the beacon in a lighthouse that emits out there. And it's very, very bright. And this type of beacon is extremely bright, even in the fog. And it's unmistakable sole purpose is to warn you of danger. What? Excuse me here. I'm choking up on myself. Warning you of danger, that you're nearing danger. You're nearing the coast, the rocks, the beach. Danger, danger. And it directs the boats to the safe harbor. It directs you around the danger. It provides hope to those who have lost their hope. Because if you're coming into the shore and you're not paying attention, you have no hope of surviving that crash into the rocks unless you follow the beacon. And now your life should be much the same, characterized by moral purity and the peacefulness so that you shine bright to bring others in from their dark, and depraved world how bright are you shining today let me ask how bright is your light shining today or are you clouded over with complaining and arguing with others and discontent and just in a funk you're just not with it. you don't have it but don't let any of those dissensions snuff out your light don't let that happen. Shine it bright for God and direct others to him, the Almighty one. As I was preparing for today's message, I really got to be thinking about what this really kind of means for me, and I just want to share a couple of points here before we before we call it a day. So far, we've we've heard that Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. Jesus is emphasizing to you that you have both a calling and the responsibility as a Christian to be influencers in this world. Did you hear that, what he says? He's emphasizing that you have both a calling and a responsibility to be influencers in the world. He also told us that if salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. You know, the the teachings of Jesus can be very challenging for us. There's very little, what I'd say, wiggle room, so to say, for all those who call yourself Christians when you lose your saltiness or you lose your edge so that You're just not the representation that God has called you to be. And without the consistency of your principles each day, if you're not on your game every day, any testimony from your lips will be useless. Like the contaminated salt, it'll be useless. Jesus also tells that you're to be the light of the world. And we all know that when light shines on anything dark, it exposes for what it is. This is a call not only to you, but to the church too. Listen to me. Not just to us individually or to you, yourself, but to the church, the church as a whole, to challenge the evil within our society, however uncomfortable that may be. You're here to be the light bringing out all the God colors in the world to others. God is not a secret to be kept to yourself. You are to go public like an IPO, like an announcement made for special occasions. This is the occasion of a lifetime. When the opportunity presents itself, open up to others. And you know what? You'll prompt others to open up with God too. Share with others the light that God has given you and the other ones will experience what you have. Jesus continued with his word here telling you not to hide your light. Why is it that you find yourself remaining silent in the face of discussions which might be contrary to what you believe? Why do sometimes you find yourself pulling back? Is it because you are afraid of offending the other party? Is it that You're unsure of what to say or how to say it. Jesus challenges you to be the salt and the light each day to influence the world around you without fear, trepidation from others. He will guide you and he will protect you no matter what. That's his promise to you. So how about it? Has God shown you his purpose for your life today? Are you carrying it out in his way? Mm, maybe your own way. Hmm, maybe the way you feel that others are expecting you to carry it out. But Proverbs 3.6 and all thy ways acknowledge him, Christ Jesus, and he shall direct your paths. Many of you know this verse. God defines his children by his holy word. God's words declared over you and about you are true representation of your identity. No longer believe the lies that you are worthless. You are nothing. You're useless. You're damaged goods. Or you are some kind of victim. Don't play the victim card. Remember, God contends with those who contend against you. He will take care of them. You don't have to worry. Keep loving God as he continues to cause all things to work together for your good. In his timing, remember, not always in yours, in his timing. Your identity is not in the crisis you have undergone in life. I'll say that again. Your identity is not in the crises you have undergone in your life. Believe in that, people. I'm going to leave today, leave you today, with these last two verses. I'm going to believe in here in a few moments, of course. But I want to leave this word with you. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is you, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. This is you also. A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that is you. Being in Christ, you're not going to have any identity crises anymore. Because your true identity is in Christ Jesus today, tomorrow, and forevermore. I know you were called to listen to this message today. It has much to say about overcoming anything that might be causing you to have an identity question of who you are, where you fit in, how do you do it, what's your purpose, what's your value. Your value is in Christ Jesus. I want to leave you with this prayer. I want to pray over you today and for you to receive it openly and accept it, please. For God wants you to know you are precious. The Lord bless you and to keep you protect you, sustain you, guard you. The Lord make his face shine upon you with favor, be gracious to you, surrounding you with his loving kindness. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you with divine approval and give you the peace and the tranquil heart and the peace in your life that you so seek. Amen. And amen.